Hi, this is Buff, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you'll better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we're living out our ancient faith in modern times and believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Excited today to be interviewing uh, Jill Romite, the president. President, no, my apologies, the principal. You're, you can be president. I'm in the my queen. own mind, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over at Ambleside School of Ocala. Uh, Jill, would you mind just giving a little bio of yourself? Sure. I am. This upcoming year will be my fifth year as principal, but I've been over at Ambleside for eight years. And I came to education by way of a mother. And so I had been in the corporate world. And um, when I had my first son, I had stepped away from working to raise him. And so when he was about two years old, this question of, well, how are we going to educate him came to mind. And there were just some influences that came um, my mentors, if you will, Edith Schaefer was one of them. Her family had been homeschooled. And so there were things about the way she did um, her family that I really loved. And of course, Edith and Frances Schaefer had Labrie in Switzerland, and I was really drawn to their ideas at the time. Do you remember anything specific? Yes. What I loved when I read What is a Family it was a book that she had written about her ministry that she and Frances Schaefer did. And one of the things I found so profound was that at the time, if you had questions about your faith, um, a typical response to that would be that people would think would be very judgmental. And there really was not this free thinking, bring your concerns, bring your ideas. And so Francis Schaeffer's life was very much about, let's create a community where you come and you participate, you work four hours a day, you study four hours a day, and you play four hours a day. And we're gonna wrestle through some of those big thinking questions that really order the way you live your life. And I was so struck by that, that there would be, um, just the freedom to think critically about your faith and, and how do you know the Bible to be true and that type of thing. So like in a school environment. Correct. You thought, oh, this would be really cool if we could do this with my kids. I did. Their daughter, who grew up in this setting, Susan Schaefer Macaulay, had in England started to school her children in homeschool and had got introduced to Charlotte Mason. So that's the connection there from a spiritual mentor who I really admired their family and way of Mm -hmm, thinking. mm -hmm. Their daughter really started the movement back up. Charlotte Mason had had a um, series of college training courses in her time, but it had really dwindled down. And then thanks to Susan Schaefer Macaulay, really embracing Charlotte Mason's ideas in how we think about children and how we educate them, um, the movement then just picked back up. And at the time, then in England, Ambleside started to have support groups for parents that wanted to educate in this way. Under the homeschool umbrella. Correct. Yes. And then in 2000 is when Ambleside's schools international began with their first school in um, Texas, actually Fredericksburg, Texas. And so it was really thanks to their work and their thought. But I loved this idea that we could 
have freedom to think. And so what were the ideas that formed us? What were the ideas that were good, true, rang in our souls as truth? And how can we engage those in very life-giving ways? So you've mentioned Charlotte Mason a couple times. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd be good to say something about sure. her because uh, for anybody who doesn't know who she is, that you know, is that mm-hmm. is she related to uh, right? You know, Mason jars or <laughs> probably not. No. So, um, you know, the question would be then, kind of who is she? And you also sure. referred to this idea that she has a, a sort of a method yes. or a movement is what you called it actually. Yes. So does the movement have a name and? What is it? Tell you some more yeah. about it. So it was in thinking about homeschooling my son that I got introduced to Charlotte Mason. And so when I did some work about who is this Charlotte Mason, what does she say, um, it ends up that she is a 19th century British educator and author. But she really didn't begin her life work until her 50s. And she had been in education a little bit here, a little bit there, but really was seeing a disconnect between why are we treating all of the students the same? It was so formulaic, okay, dry facts. Um, she, so you mean like the, the reading, the writing, arithmetic yes, kind of idea? Like yes. There are these three separate entities that you need to emphasize in the, in the classical school model. Is that Correct. what you mean? Correct, yes. Okay. And that we are going to tell you what you need to think, and mm-hmm. it's your job as a student to repeat to us on a okay. weekly test um, what it is we told you that you need to think or believe or in in many ways very limiting. And in her time also in England, um, there was a poor class that really didn't get educated at all. And so when she started to think about her, how can we interact with children in a way that would, she has this beautiful quote that her idea is to help all people form relationships with as many things as they can and that informing these life-giving relationships and I'll give you an example in yeah, just a minute but how full is the room she says that you would find your feet in as you grow up and that is a very appealing idea to me so what I can give you an example a relationship with nature okay so in a science class, you may need to understand and spit back on an assessment all of the components of a leaf. And there's a very formulaic way that we can do that. And I have a relationship with this piece of paper and I can identify a picture. How different is it to go outside and actually be in nature and and have a relationship with nature itself so that that would spark your curiosity and you would be encouraged to learn more because of that relationship you have with that. Um, so Charlotte Mason was an educator. Yes. Uh, also a person of faith. Very, very strong So she wanted to faith. weave those things together, or, or were they in, individual and segmented? She, her life was very integrated. It was something I really loved and admired about her. And her knowledge of the her biblical knowledge, the way that everything came, everything she does stems from her faith in terms of believing that the Holy Spirit is the one and true Mm. teacher of all things, that all children are made in the image of God. And so what does that mean? That means we relate to them in a certain way. We really recognize and strive as educators at Ambleside to recognize the divine nature of each and every one of the children that we have in our care. She sounds like a good Anglican to me. Um, (laughs) 
she is so proud right yeah, now. Yeah, she is really incredible in that way. And nice. when you understand her faith in the way that it informed how she related with students and adults and just the legacy that that can leave in this process to me it's just a process of discipleship really and how are you so it's not just about education it's really about making holy formed people correct is that correct and how yes and very much helping them form these relationships with one another with the created world with authors with composers um most importantly what does the relationship look like that they're forming with god and that is a huge part of the work that we do so help me understand then okay if you get to the end of it's right now the animal side is k through eight right Mm -hmm. uh so someone graduates a student goes kindergarten through eighth grade mm-hmm. and they've uh, been through the system the methodology of Ambleside they've been part of what Charlotte Mason taught but you are now embodying what do they look like mm-hmm. why are they different right. I mean there are a lot of private schools there are a lot of public mm-hmm. schools what's what mm-hmm. makes Ambleside or this methodology of discipleship mm-hmm. unique or interesting how are they better disciples even which I know there's a lot of questions there so yeah. sorry about that and take I just, them any way you want no I just want to be really careful in this way there is very great work being done at other schools public school I mean there is good work across the board sure. what makes us a little different I think I can speak to is not I mean there is high academic rigor there is an atmosphere there where we really work to bring out the best in all of the students if we thought about a four-legged table as the backbone of, of what we do number one would be that her assertion that children are born persons and we very very much believe that they're born people we don't have to manipulate them we should not be manipulating them how can we work to support them and inform them and just help them navigate what would be manipulation well i would say artificial artificial incentives for example um so typically you may go into a classroom of young kids and you may have um stoplights up on the board and so all the kids are there and if they're doing as they ought maybe they stay on green if they slip up maybe they move to yellow um in in our minds that's a form of manipulation in that the child may be only responding to not wanting their name to end up on on the red because then that means all kinds of things. Is it fair to say that's sort of behavior modification but maybe not heart modification? Correct. And you're looking for something... More intrinsic. Yes. Yes, very much so. So do we believe that we can respond to authority the right way? Yes, we do. It's not often done that way, though, in a lot of um, school settings. And so... That is, that is a key difference in, in what we do. But then the other three would simply be that atmosphere is a third of what, what we focus on. Children or persons. Okay, that's okay. right. And then we believe that education is an atmosphere. Okay. And by atmosphere, we talk about what is it like inside a classroom? Is it really cluttered? Is it noisy? Is it overstimulation? Are they kind to each other? Um, atmosphere encompasses a whole thing. But we work very hard to 
create a particular atmosphere. And then we believe that a third of that, or a third of the work we focus on, education is a discipline. So that would simply be the formation proactively of good life-giving habits. Everything you and I do really is a habit, right? And so some we don't even think about. We brush our teeth in the morning. We go through the whole notion of that, not much thought. But we're either intentionally forming good habits or we are allowing ourselves to replace a good habit with a not-so-good habit. And so that would be how does a student approach work? How does that student respond to authority? So little even uh, of an idea of when they walk on the campus in the morning, we make it a habit where they smile. Why? Because we that changes us, right? Looking at another human being in the eye and smiling opens our hearts and our souls. What's the difference then? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love that. This mm-hmm. is a great example then. So if I'm mm-hmm. somebody looking at your school then, the, the idea that you... You're saying you want the students to smile or you want the administration to smile? Well, we, of course, would smile, but we would work to establish a habit in each child as they come on that we would smile. So how is a habit not a behavior modification? Okay. Do you see the difference I'm saying? I do. I want you to smile. Well, this sounds like a green light yellow light, red light kind of moment. Because if you don't, then, okay. So a couple of distinctions. Um, That's going to be an interaction First and foremost, is it based on an inspirational idea? Why would we want to smile when we come onto campus in the morning? That would be a conversation that either I would have. Why would we? Because we're part of this community. We belong. It will help us get ready for the day. Uh, Is that something that you want? Do you want to start off on the right foot? There are things you and I probably do. We spend time in the morning in prayer. Why do we do that? So we can start our day and, you know, have be grounded. Um, All of our habits are rooted in an inspirational idea, something that would be good for them. And so always gaining buy-in, if you will, from, and that looks different depending on the different age groups, but we want to support you in developing life-giving habits. And so we would practice that if you came on a campus. First of all, if, if a student comes on grumpy, then there may be something going on in that child's life and that helps us to know how to interact with them but it would be important how many times do I have to redo things that I may or may not want to do but because I know that it's important to do it correctly um, where we have habit training we really believe that being persistent and and consistent with that will help them and so getting a student to appreciate the value of that even if they can't at the moment, but I think everybody, even down to a five-year-old, can say, yeah, I, I want to start my day So that would be ready. the difference then in behavior modification. Correct. Because you want them to understand why they need to have these certain habits or disciplines. Yeah, and I believe that that's a good thing for them to so do. So you have the first three, personhood, atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, discipline. What's yes. Important? Education is a life. Mm-hmm. And so... By education as a life, we mean that the Charlotte Mason put forth the idea that the mind feeds on ideas. And so the more life-giving ideas that we can put before each student, the, that that is really the crux of helping them make connections, relationships, um, dry, boring facts that a student memorizes does not generate a real passion and a love for 
continuing to learn okay. and so there's a very clear distinction most of our the only textbooks really we use would be science and that's because just the nature of teaching science and mathematics but everything else they read books from beginning to end and develop relationships with the characters the author and then we talk about things that they would um what would you want to do if you were in that situation? What was good about that? What did you notice? And helping them to think through, gosh, there were some really admirable qualities in that in that person. And I think that that helps me understand what it looks like to be brave or to be faithful, to be a martyr, um, to serve when I want to be selfish, those types of things. Okay, so you have a student <coughs> who has gone through through eight. Yes, back to has, that. Right, and right. who has embodied these four principles. Yes. Have been exposed to them through there. Yeah, embodying mm-hmm. them. Yes. Yeah, best yes. case scenario, they have chosen to accept all of these things. Yeah. Can you describe that that, that child? Sure. Becoming a, an older child now, not a young adult yet, but what, what, what do they look like? What are you hoping for here? I am hoping for maturity. And when I, I think one of the things that I will look so forward to is sitting down with one of our graduates. We have only had four years of graduates, so I don't even, I can tell you what they look like in our current high school setting and some of the things that they're involved in, but I cannot wait to sit down with them as adults and say, all right, tell me how what really struck you about the work because I do think that one of the big differences I had um, a mom who had her daughters go off to high school and one of the things right away was all of this backbiting gossiping type of thing and so of course at, at our school and in many other churches and homes I'm not saying it only happens in Ambleside but one of the things we really work on is relational how do we reconcile what does it look like to walk through conflict and so the mom just so naturally said well you just need to go and talk to her and tell her how she made you feel and Um, that young adult just responded, you don't understand, Mom. That's the Ambleside way. That's not how anybody else does that. And that was one of those moments where it really struck me. And I really wish that more of us did that. I know even as adults, sometimes it's really difficult to enter into conflict and to handle that in mature ways. How about Um, the the kids? So Ambleside's been going in Texas, mm -hmm. Fredericksburg, since 2000. Mm -hmm. So they've had 16 years. Mm Um, so I have probably graduated mm-hmm. some kids. Are yes. there any stories there where they're like, ah, oh, this, mm-hmm. these adults have gotten it or, yeah. you know, or, I don't know, and well, living it out somehow? Yeah. Um, I think that one of the most interesting stories for me, I did interview and talk to Dr. Bill St. Cyr. He and his wife were the founders of Ambleside Schools International, and they did the school in Fredericksburg. In any event, and we were talking one time, and I was curious, you know, of course, at our school, as we're talking about it, where do our kids go to high school? Are they, are they, you know, we do not, we intentionally do not have grades. We do not use that as a a measure of how well you're doing. However, we talk about accuracy assessments, and of course, we want high accuracy rate because that would be good. We want to be accurate, but we're not going to put everybody's grades up on a board and say, oh, you know, you're at a 60% and and, and that type of thing. So um, our students here 
have any of them that have, and most of them have, applied for magnet programs here in Marion County and have gotten into whatever program they've wanted, and they are doing really well. Uh, then my question, of course, is, well, tell me about college, because there's a big di- difference between high school and college. And so I was really encouraged to hear from Dr. St. Cyr that the students that have gone through Ambleside High Schools um, really have ended up at a college of choice, their choice. And so whether that's, I don't know that that's all Ivy League, or I, I'm sure it's not actually, but whatever it is that they wanted to be in, I know we do have some students at Ivy League schools, but, the, and that's what I'm interested in. Has it helped you get to where it is that you would like to be? And there is this maturity and relational component still that is noticeably more developed in students that have gone through um, and just been, you know, really discipled in a way of living that is continue. It it starts at home. It continues at school. It picks back up at home. It continues at church. You know, how careful are we at integrating all of those? Well, and part of, I I would imagine, the struggle from what you're doing is that how do you measure a person? You can measure the academic side of things. Okay, so they got into the school of their choice. That's nice. That's measurable. Right. But you're trying to create a whole person. How do you measure a whole person? How do you measure a life lived well? And even if you had 50 years of data, I know that's a very difficult question. I know. So, but that's what you're training for, it sounds like. Correct. It's not for education, but for a life lived well. Yes, and that, that would be my say? prayer for them all, that um, that they would give their life mm-hmm. um, in service and in care to others. And we all know adults that have great jobs and but are so distracted. And our world, you're either a have or you're a have not. Right. And so what does it look like? What value system are we going to hang on to um, so in some ways you're making humans who would be an antidote to the have have not world is that fair to say Um, they're offering a different alternative a different reality a reality based on Christ but not on a zero-sum gain world right I would hope that we are the antidote I would just maybe bring it back to our work is that we are very interested in human formation to the point where um, they would embrace a life of service. And Well, that's what Libri was about, right? Yes. I mean, we're talking about Schaefer. Schaefer mm-hmm. was about making a new community that Correct. offered a different way of living life. Right. That seems to be what you're offering, correct? And not only offering, but you're training in. Yes. So what's the hesitancy? It just seems like such a bold statement to say (laughs) and and to recognize that we play this tiny little, you know, parents are the primary educators of their children. Um, You know, there are, we have fabulous parents that you know, have all varying degrees of buy-in to the philosophy. I would tell you as a parent of two children that are over at Ambleside that I care much, much more about the type of person my children are, the type of people they're becoming and the things that they're going to engage in um, much more than whether or not they are you know, going to be identified in, in the haves. 
um, section of life. And so that's probably what we all want with our with our children in some ways, but our society just tells us that it's all about your scores, all about, you know, you're measured every time you turn around. And so I think that gets really, really complicated. In terms of who you are as a person. Correct. Yeah, I agree. So what are some of the joys that you have seen in your position? (laughs) As you've been principal for five years now, you said? Yes. So five years of being principals, Mm. surely you've had some joys, not just with students, but maybe staff, maybe with Mm. uh, parents. Mm -hmm. What are some of your joys? Right. I... And by the way, you know what's coming next. It's going to be challenges. So just prepare yourself. There are no challenges. None none at all. (laughs) Because people just... you have the best job in the world. I really do. No, and I was going to say, um, what are the joys? I... I am incredibly humbled and grateful for the position that I'm in, and I feel like it's just a global statement. There are just times when I am overwhelmed with gratitude that I am surrounded by people from 5 to 13 that I can love and care for and that in and of even with its challenges there is just a joy that comes from the position itself that I am um, reminded of a lot I think that there is a one of the most significant we talk about children and teachers in terms of growth right and so Everything is where, what are we doing well? Where can we think about our weakness? A weakness, I'm not even afraid to use that, although some people respond to that in, in, in a way that I realize a lot of us don't talk about areas of growth within ourselves as a weakness, but I'm okay with that. And so as I think about trying to shepherd a staff and a group of you know, 120 students. Um, we have these varying degrees of, of strengths and varying degrees of weaknesses. And so one of the joys for me has been to see how God has brought incredible talent to fill in on a staff level to start with. Um, things that I'm not gifted at or good at. I have somebody right next to me that I can count on um, to help in that way and there's this beautiful picture of just body life and I don't feel like I have to do it all because I'm surrounded by people that really have love and passion and gifting in other ways that create a staff that I just think we have an incredible incredible staff and so they one of your joys is to see how God uh, has fit the puzzle together in this school under your leadership I have been lucky enough to be principal while he has drawn these people to the work, and I am so grateful. It has allowed us to develop. I'll give you another example. When um, Josh Head came to our school and to our staff, that's an example of someone who clearly was passionate for music and had a heart to disciple and raise up students. And just the, the difference in our music program since his arrival at Ambleside ha- is just night and day. Because Were you in charge of that before? 
and you're the one singing. Oh my goodness! Now here, let me give you a little personal. I'm going to give you a little personal thing that. um, But when I was in eighth grade, I I went to Roman Catholic school. And I was in the choir in eighth grade, and that was an elective. I, I wanted to do that. And so I remember the day like it was yesterday when he was trying to single out that one voice that just wasn't with all of the voices. And he went through and eliminated everybody down to me, and it was me. And I got asked to leave. <laughs> no, the eighth grade choir. Oh. Jonathan. Yes, it was, it was oh. one of those things, painful. and it was so painful. But this is why I laugh at it, and I just think God has such a sense of humor because and he is a god of redemption because part of what i have i get to do every day is stand up in front of my students and sing and so what was such a wound for me for so long and um i just laugh at that but i say that to say that while i was in charge of that before josh came um my students probably had to listen to not so harmonious and beautiful music and now i just sort of let josh overcome in the morning i can close us in song uh, right excellent i love it just to or, show you uh, how far i've come like yes. order, uh, the bay, perhaps <laughs> right models. i know you know i'm busy running a school so i really haven't <laughs> developed the time I for um understand that but that's an example of where I just really am so tickled and honored at the people that I get to come to work. And I have this sweet parent who I love. And when he comes to morning assembly, of course, we start every day with a song and a pledge and a prayer. And he calls it opening ceremonies like the Olympics. And he just says, I wish everybody could start mm-hmm. their day like that. And that's exactly right what a privilege that that's how we can start our day nice Mm -hmm. that you get to help set that up and and orchestrate that event to occur or in the whole yeah just be part of that yeah so what are some challenges of your position or uh that you see in the kids today or Mm -hmm. parents or staff anything Mm -hmm. you want what are some of the challenges you're facing well, a big challenge that we face is just trying to balance technology and the role that it plays in our lives and how so dis- distracted we are. Um, it's a big challenge for us. And so here's what I know. We can't say technology can't be part of our lives. Um, what Pandora's box has already been opened. Correct. Yeah. And so how are we going to develop a healthy relationship with that and still live well and still give attention to the things that matter. That that's a big challenge for for me, not only on a personal level with my own children. What do, what does that look like in our house? Um, how do I help parents as they're navigating? And um, that's just an ongoing discussion that we have. Have you seen have. successes? Well, I do think that we. I have in that area. I'm specifically obviously right. So we, I am able to have we're policies like we don't have cell phones on campus okay and if they need their phone for whatever reason they can turn it into the office it's not like a phone's not allowed on campus but I do feel lucky that I can create sort of these environments to where students don't have their phones on their desk and are constantly distracted by all of those things Um, there's a degree in which I can control the atmosphere that we're in and really try to encourage things outside. What other activities can they do? We do after-school uh, programs. Of course, we've got the 
Grace School for the Arts across the street where we have so many of our students doing things like that. Um, those are good ways to counteract the fact that there are video games and all kinds of things competing for our kids' attention. I think I have parents that are very interested in trying to figure that out for themselves. Just this past weekend, we brought in um, the independent uh, documentary called Screenagers and invited our community to come and just really talk about what does this look like and how, how can we choose better. Such a challenging issue for it is. every parent I know. It really is. Yeah, that's very difficult. Um, so technology in the classroom, mm-hmm. any other challenges? Um, or technology in general, not yeah, just in the classroom, but anything else? Yeah, I would say a challenge just for... I mean, a challenge for us across the board would be the work of habit training. And I notice that at times it's easy to forget that, that it is the work of habit training, right? How, how, how faithful are we being? How consistent are we being? It's not this... Um, okay, you've done it well for eight times, so I'm going to let you on the ninth time not do it as well, right? There's just a real work that has to undergird what habits are we, are we being intentional? Does this student, we take each student, what is this student? What is a habit I want to work on with this student this week, whether it be attention, um, accountability with their homework, you know, and so there is this underlying daily grind, and I don't mean daily grind, but even for me, I, I get frustrated at the habits that I know I should do, but, you know, sometimes I just figure out a reason why I don't do them, um, and I think we, we all have that tension within ourselves we we know how to we know what we're supposed to do so what is it that keeps us from from doing that faithfully Mm -hmm. um so i think that's a challenge amen what um i mean with that in mind what motivates you to keep doing it eight years now right why are you what motivates you internally (laughs) what's the fire i mean i I get where you came from Mm -hmm. in terms of reading um the Schaefer story mm-hmm. and, and so on, but mm-hmm. just because I'm inspired by something doesn't mean I keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You have. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in, for a lot of, I think if you think about, so what do you do? You raise a, you raise your flag, you're done, I'm out. You know, um, it, it, I don't get the results I want. I don't, you know, there's this, at times, if I want to be self-centered and think about, you know, is this, if if someone's not responding the way I think that they should respond, um, if someone isn't growing the way I think they should grow, who am I to say? But, you know, I get, it's that it's that tension when we live in real community with people we're we're dealing with real people and so why am i still inspired because i believe that i'm part of an organization that would never give up on me that even though there are still weaknesses that i am working through at 46 years of age um but i'm showing up and i'm giving thought to it i'm trying um that my weakness is always met with gentleness and so that's this sort of place that I can give my 
I can give my heart in that there is an authentic tie between who I am as a principal, who I am as a mom, as a wife, as a person, as a friend. Um, The things that we encounter at Ambleside are the same things that we encounter as human beings. And so the fact that I can give thought to that by way of my work, that I can read what does it look like to cultivate a heart more like the one Jesus gave me instead of operating out of wounds or whatever that is, that that could be part of the work that I do. Um, Not only has God used it to directly speak to me about things that I've carried around through my life. Like the eighth grade choir thing is a classic example. I could give you so many examples of how he has used this little place to help me grow. And I feel so much like part of that is me helping the next person right behind me. So whether you're five or 15 or 35 and and showing up because it's it's your job that um, we're part of this together and I'm to play a role. It sounds to me like your work isn't work, it's ministry both to other folks, but they are ministering to you, is that right? In a very, very, very real way. Wow. Yeah, and, and so without it, I'll give you when summer or Christmas break, when I go long stretches without having other people to really care for, um, I notice that in my thought life. And, you know, I, I am just more who I think I'm created to be when I am really loving the people that I'm supposed to be loving. Wow. Well, you've mentioned this several times. This will be the last thing I, I'm curious about. Um, but you mentioned your reading, and mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are you reading? What is informing <laughs> you in this journey that you're on mm. right now? I mean, I don't, what, you can tell me, what, tell me what you have read, but I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, what are the things that right now are impacting you? Mm-hmm. So I just began reading Sherry Turkle's book, Reclaiming Conversation, and that is she also wrote the book Alone Together, and it's really a fascinating look at how the digital age I mean I have always been drawn in Neil Postman amusing ourselves to get death why do why would we sit and be passive myself included and and so Sherry Turkle's latest book Reclaiming Conversation is something I'm really really enjoying I'm also reading a book that we ask parents to read before they come to Ambleside and it's called For the Children's Sake and it is just by way of refresher I've read it before but I'm reading it again who's Susan Schaefer Macaulay, so Edith and Frances Schaefer's daughter. And it's a beautiful picture of Charlotte Mason's philosophy and what that would look like in a home setting. And and I'm also reading um, Finding God by Larry Crabb because I really do find a lot of his ideas fascinating. And on a leadership side, I'm reading a few of John Maxwell's books just to try and keep those ideas before me. So, so your nightstand is just it's filled. It's chock full of, yeah. And books. so I'm also reading an Anne Lamott book, Traveling Mercies, <laughs> who is the perfect balance to all of that. And that's short and sweet, and I can just get outside of my head and, yeah, and enjoy that, too. Yeah. 
Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's funny how often I can resonate with some of the things that she says. Yeah, I agree. A lot of them I um, just don't even know what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> there are those tender moments where I appreciate her as a mom. I read a story about Anne Lamont where she was leading a Sunday school class one time, and she didn't know what to do when she got there with them. I mean, the idea of Anne Lamont leading a Sunday school class is itself is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Um, I imagine her showing up with like a cigarette. I know. She probably didn't, yeah, but I, I imagine know, that. Of course. So anyway, when she got there, she recognized that some of the kids were having a hard time that day, mm. and so she called them into a circle, and uh, she had them sit on the outside of her, and she sat in the middle, and then she would look at them and say, uh, "If you are wearing red, come and sit in the middle with me." And they would come into the middle, and she would look at them and say, "You are loved and cherished by God." Mm. And then she went through each of the kids, basically, to get them all in the circle with her to point out that they are loved and cherished. I, uh, I like that idea so much that mm. that is my opening devotion with our mm. four-year-old BPKers now. I just think it's, interesting? it's a beautiful image of what God wants us to know more than anything else is that we are loved and cherished by Him. Yes, me too. So as bohemian as she is, I think she's still got some pretty great ideas. And she has a voice out there that people yeah. respond to. Agreed, yeah. agreed. Well, thank you for your time and it's coming my in. Answering these questions so honestly and being a part of this. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you'll take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace. <laughs>